Yeah, what you are about to hear is a work of fan fiction. All characters and events and settings, even those based on the ones from World of Warcraft, are entirely fictional, and half of it was probably made up on the spot. Listening to this production indicates your consent to its terms of service, which we forgot to write down. On their way through southern Stranglethorn Vale, Butch, Ari, and Falkus have encountered a number of strange animals, avoided crossing paths with some kind of jungle predator, and met a dwarf on his way out of a nearby dig site. He was helped by an orc, who said his party was telling people of Stranglethorn to retreat from the jungle. What is causing all of the unease out here? Maybe we'll find out more if we queue up for some more heroic dungeons and dragons. Probably at this point, the majority of the walk is completed. You still have a ways to go yet, though. Eventually, you get to a point where the trail, the main trail continues northward uh, a little bit. It starts to cut a little to the left, but in general is still north. But there's also a large trail that cuts off to the right um, through the branches and, and into the jungle. There are track marks in the in the earth where... Um, Maybe at this point it was a little bit muddier or something, and the track marks are very, very visible. You can see the wheel marks from a large cart and two sets of footprints, one larger, one smaller, um, coming from the path that goes to the right. In that direction, you can hear a very loud, very deep buzzing noise, very similar to the one that you encountered earlier. And throughout this track right now, I'm assuming what we're looking at is the Explorer's League dig site trail. We haven't encountered the orc, or I mean the the tauren, or the rest of the uh, Explorer's League, have we? No, since you saw the orc and the dwarf pulling the cart, you haven't seen any other people. I'm going to give a look to Ari and Butch. I'm like, we should probably go check out if they're okay. I agree with you. This is definitely where they, where our buddies back there came from, and they said that their buddies were either still here or just left. And yeah, let's uh, <clears throat> be careful about it, but see what we can see. Okay. Is there any particular way that you guys are approaching? Stealthily, carefully. Uh, kick in the door and start swinging weapons. What's what's? Uh, is there a marching order? What's what's going on? Um, I, I'm going to mention to Butch if you guys want to stay on the road here, I'll take the bush and come up around the side and see if I can't. Um, uh, I'll sneak in around the side if you guys want to continue up the road here. Uh, I can message you guys uh, with the cantrip message and let you guys know what I see up ahead uh, stealthily. You want us to wait back here? Uh, keep coming up the road, but not too quickly. Okay. In this case, I'll step in front of Ari. Okay. 
and weapons readied, you know, um, I am paying close attention to everything I can see. <laughs> we're, we're walking pretty slowly. And then, Falkus, you do your thing. Okay, cool. So, um, Falkus, you're bushwhacking? I am. Okay, and you're trying to approach the situation stealthily? I am. Okay, I need you to roll me a stealth check with disadvantage because of the uh, the nature of the terrain that you're marching through. The disadvantage roll is a 15. Okay. Perception is a zero. Okay, cool. So you are being as careful as you can. You are approaching from off the beaten path into an area where you can hear this again, very, very loud droning buzzing sound. Um, as you peek through the foliage and you look in to the area that you suspect is the, the, the Explorers League site, you can see what looks like a dwarvish camp. Um, you are looking into the encampment from the, uh, like from the Southeast there's this large open space in the jungle that, I mean, there's some trees in it, but like in general, it's more open than the rest of the jungle. Uh, but there are some wall-like cliff sides that enclose the space around all sides, except for uh, the area that you approached from and from like the actual roadway. Um, there are some tents and some miscellaneous personal equipment that is set up in the far northwest of the site. And on the far side from you, all the way on the northern side, uh, you can see the opening uh, of a cave in one of the walls. Um, I say walls, like one of the cliff sides that kind of create this, this space. You can also very clearly see the source of the buzzing. In the center of the clearing, you can see a large Tauran warrior um, dressed in you know, like a very traditional Taran kind of outfit. Like he's wearing armor, but it's a lot of like, um, like there's a lot of bone work and there's a lot of, um, feathers and there's a lot of war paint. Like he's dressed to the nines in the style of, of the Taran. Um, he's standing in the center of the clearing surrounded by, first of all, the corpses of two dwarves. <gasps> and, what must be probably a dozen of that same flying buzzing creature that you saw some of earlier on in the day, the, the bat sized creature, uh, again, a huge swarm of them flying around this tarn. He has this big totem pole that he is swinging wildly at these flying creatures um, they look to be about the size of like a large bat, but they have these big mosquito faces with this long pointed uh, nose like appendage that sticks off of the front of them. And they have these two sets of wings that flap quickly the way that bug wings flap, but they it makes this loud droning buzzing noise. Um, several of them have uh, a red liquid that drips from the very end of that long mosquito nose and two of them 
are embedded into one on the neck and one behind the shoulder of the Tauren, who is swinging wildly at them as they swarm him. You can see all of this from your position here on the map that I'm now showing you. And as you look into the center, you should be able to see the Tauren warrior surrounded on all sides. And he looks pretty beat up. He looks like he's been in this fight for a little bit. He looks kind of worn. He looks... Uh, his his movements seem a little bit sluggish, but he's still in the fight. As you see all of this, it occurs to you that Ari and Butch are still a little further back on the road and have not seen any of this yet. I will point in the direction roughly where I know that Butch is, because Butch was my target to let him know by via message that quick, Torin left under attack, giant bugs. Lots of them. And it encourage them to run, and I will be ready to loose an arrow in that bunch as soon as DM says go. Wait a minute, you're, you're encouraging us to run towards the tr- the torrent, right? Yes, continue okay. up the road quickly. Yeah, I, I thought you were saying run away, <laughs> and I was like, what? And I let Ari know what Falk has told us, and. uh I'm ready to go. Well, I, I, I put my my uh, great axe down and I on my back and I get out uh, my, my javelin. Okay. Um, if you guys are approaching, uh, we can do an initiative roll here real quick. Wow. Everyone has like a really high initiative except for Ari. Yeah, no, Ari got a six, so... Me pointing out the bushes and the trees because I'm bored did not help me. So uh, what has happened here now is that Ari and Butch are coming in, but Falcus being closer to the rest of the action is going to get the drop on these creatures. Um, what would you like to do? And I, out of curiosity, just because when I built the map, it's these creatures are on the small side, so it's hard to see. Can you guys actually see the creatures and all that? I just now saw the creatures. I saw their health bars before I saw the creatures. Yeah, they're small. They're like, in D&D terms, they're actually tiny. I don't know how to fight something tiny. (laughs) Um, But there's a whole lot of them. I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of them. I'm just itching, like, looking at them. They look like giant red mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah, like if you picture the mos- a mosquito the size of a bat. Or like a bat with a mosquito face. Now we're dealing with a lot of trees here. Um, what is line of sight on some of these areas? Uh, so where the trees are on the map, if you were to fire through them, the creatures would have, I would say, half cover. Which would equal to plus two to their armor class. But... Um, any place where, yeah, so like what you just pinged is really more of a bush to me, I think. It's the yeah. larger ones that are the trees. Um, so the trees specifically would interfere a little bit with your line of sight. You can still fire from where you are. It would just be a little harder to hit them. Okay. Because uh, 
Yeah, what I'm seeing as a clear line of sight for me, let me just, uh, I'm going to move. We're going to go 5, 10, 15, 25, 30. So I'm between two bushes, and I feel like I've got full line of sight on everything here. Except yeah, from there you can see clearly. this guy. And I want to fire an arrow. I'm going to say this guy right here. Okay. That's a 13 hit. No, it just misses. You fire off this arrow, and this creature... And just... Like, right, like, almost through its beating wings without hitting them. Like, it was that close. So, that was... Doesn't he have, um... Advantage or something? Because he's surprising? You know what? Considering the situation... Yeah. Roll again. Thank you, Butch. Um, I will fire again, and I appreciate that. I've been an 18 this time. There you go. 18 does hit. And I am going to use an ability, finally. And I am going to do an arcane shot and turn that one arrow into a bursting arrow, which means all other creatures within 10 feet of that target takes 2d6 force damage. Um, so... Really? Yes, I'm going to melt bugs. Um, so first things first, the first bug, which this would have been my target right here, Mm -hmm. is... 10 piercing damage plus 6 sneak attack. So a total of 16 damage to this dude. Okay. And everyone within its 10 feet? Yes. So bursting arrow. Let me see if I can link it. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do that. Oh, uh, actually. Perhaps perhaps you'd like to to do one that's more than 10 feet away from the Torin that we're trying to... uh... It's an AoE, so um, immediately exactly. after the arrow hits a target. No, and that's 10 feet to me is this square, this square, this this square, and this square. Not the Torn. I was well aware of which one I picked for this. Or if he's No, gonna... it's, it's 10 feet from the target, right? The target and all other creatures within 10 feet. So then I target a different one. I, I, I was thinking a 10-foot radius around it. Right, so if you targeted this one, that's all of these squares. Yeah, you, you could just choose another one and, and and not hit the torrent. For the audience's perspective, uh, the the monster that she targeted would hit the monster and all of the rest of them except for one, and it would hit the torrent. That was not my intention at all. No, oh, with this, so give me a ten foot circle to use or oh that's a good idea and I'll figure out where I want to put it that's a good idea I don't want an AoE attack I have no AoE attacks so Ooh. go me I guess a 10 foot radius or a 10 foot diameter that's a 10 foot radius it should be diameter right I don't know Within 10 feet, so the creature's in the middle and then 10 feet around it. Yeah, within 10 sides. feet means a 10-foot radius. All right, holy crap, then I'll take it. Uh, I don't have control that over it. a nope. large... Controlled by all players. ...circle that could encapsulate all the, the entire thing. So if you wanted to hit every single bug on there, and you would hit every single bug on there, you 
could do that. The alternative is you could not do this. <laughs> but then again, I am controlling the monsters, so I have a vested interest in you not damaging my monsters. No, but... He, he <laughs> it would also hit the Tauren, but it would hit... Yeah, and Every I mean, he's my Tauren, so I want to protect him too. <laughs> Don't listen to the things that I say. Do your own move. I'm just saying the option is on the table to not do this. See, I thought this was the perfect opportunity, but I guess it's a much bigger it is the radius. perfect opportunity. It's a much bigger AoE than I anticipated, so I That's will take it back. Well, I, like, because since we're kind of talking about this outside of, like, game, I have healing things, and I was already planning on healing the Torrent, so, I mean, I feel like it's a calculated risk, whereas okay. we know we can heal it. Like, I'm not, I know, like, here's the weird thing. In my I, other D&T campaign, they're really serious, and these conversations cannot happen. Like, you just have to do it and see what other people do. And here we're like, let's talk about this and logic it. But my plan was to heal this Torrent already. Okay. So. I'm going to take all your bugs out. And the Torrent's just going to take collateral damage, and we're going to heal him. All right, so I'm going to make a folder in the <laughs> journal for Roll20. Spell effects. And we are going to have us a... Uh... Oh, I may have to... Hmm. I may have to futz with this off the air. But my goal is to... I forget how I did it for the other game. But uh, I can make it so that there are characters in the journal that are just spell effects that you guys have that you can put on the map to help measure crap like this and just grab them off the thing and put them on there. Uh, I will figure it out another time. I thought it would be faster than this. And we've got that in our other game for like fireball. Yeah. So there's like a little campfire picture that has a radius that looks just like this. Uh, and our sorcerer is always like, we'll be partway through a social encounter and our sorcerer will just be like measuring fireball radiuses. And I'm like, dude, we're talking right now. Like the bad guy is giving you the information. Why are you measuring fireball? Anyway, that's a fun game. Okay. So you fire off and you land your hit on the bug that you targeted. Yeah, so we'll be fair in the sense because I can. I'm not just going to throw it there. It's got to be on my target. So my target would be that guy right there, and okay. everything that's within that radius um, takes nine force damage. Nine force damage. Okay, that's good to know. So, Butch and Ari, what you guys see as you're approaching this fight is Falcus fires an arrow, and it travels a total distance of about 40 feet and at about the 20 or 25 foot mark what what is the magical glow on an arrow that is thusly imbued with power the fact that this is a bursting arrow it's yellow okay so I can just for grins it's not going to actually mean anything but let's change the aura to yellow oh isn't that nice So the arrow pierces into the body of this flying insect bat thing. What does the burst look like? Is it a magical burst? Is it a whole bunch of little arrows that fly in all directions? What describe the effect? I'm going to say it's a magical burst. So as soon as it hits it, it like 
glows, like a ball glows, and it shoots out in like all different kinds of directions, just like uh, like a firework. It just shoots out like a firework with these kind of projectiles coming off of that creature into everything within that range, like a like I said, like a firework shell. Okay. You guys see this flash of light with all of the little firework shell lines that fly off of it. And then like it's raining bats. This one dies. 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 And this one dies. Boom. A whole bunch of big floating, flapping insect bat things, including the two that were stuck to the tarn. Like one, like there's still one kind of dangling dead now off of his neck. The other one fell off of his back. He gets hit with the force damage and it sort of rings his bell a little bit. You can kind of see that he's like, whoa, I just got hit by something. Um, He looks over and he sees that you're standing there in the woods like bow still up um do you do anything else in your turn nope just give him a little nod of i got your back buddy okay uh butch you're up you are about 30 feet south of the tarn about 25 feet south of the nearest bug creature and you are i think javelin out right i'm gonna use my javelin to, you know, take just one okay. of these creatures. And I'm going to roll a 19. A 19 would hit. Six piercing. Six is enough to kill this thing. It stabs through it. It falls. It's now like a javelin sticking out of the ground at an angle with a large, like, blood splatter of a bat mosquito at the very tip of it dug into the ground just a little bit. All right. I will admit as we get close to the end of this combat encounter that I didn't expect the bursting arrow. I did expect the great axe of cleaving. That was kind of what I was building this around, but this is still (laughs) exciting. This is still exciting. The Taran, who looks damaged but still like is in the fight turns and swings his great big old maul his huge it's not really a maul it's much more of a giant totem pole uh very warcraft 3 style and he is he looks like he's stepping into the attack in such a way that he's putting everything he has into offense and is ignoring defense completely because he had everything he had into his swing and was not paying attention whatsoever in defending himself, he does hit with a natural 20 and slams this last bat bug creature so hard that its corpse goes flying across the jungle. Uh, Falkus, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw, please. It's a low DC. I just need you to be... Oh. 25? Okay. You do the thing that happens in anime where the really, really powerful creature has something shot at them and they just kind of like care like they sidestep just enough that it misses, but they knew that it was just enough. 
like they knew that if they just take a step to the left, it would be enough. And you just like you're and you behind you, you hear the blood splatter (laughs) and like you turn around and along the the cliff wall is like a four foot streak of blood where this thing went and splattered. Ari, I'm sorry that you didn't get a turn. Maybe next fight. I promise. I'm just here to look pretty and I think I'm nailing it. So we're good. Yeah, you're totally (laughs) crushing it. Crushing it. Slaying it, knocking them dead. All right. Nail file out, just checking. Is like, oh, is it my turn? Okay, cool. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's go up to uh, to this torrent, see if he's okay. So as you approach the torrent, he looks tired and a little haggard, but he's still on his feet. The dwarves that he's standing over, the corpses of the two dwarves, they look emaciated is the wrong word. They look like they used to be big and suddenly got got sucked dry. Like considering your experience with these, the like you saw the two of them were trying to suck the Tarn's blood, and you heard the blood sucking noises from the forest, and you saw their big mosquito faces. It's easy to put together that these these two dwarves died of blood loss, um, but like extreme blood loss over the course of like a moment. Um, they're pale. Their 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 skin is wrinkly, like they've been deflated. Um, the Tarn is breathing heavily. He looks up to you and says, Well, uh, I wasn't expecting an explosion. That was helpful. <laughs> Sorry Thank about you. that. It was a little bit of splash damage there for you. Listen, situation as it was, I think I'll be okay. Um, how, who, how are you? Who are you? Why are you? Friend Torin, first of all, h- how are you? <laughs> you you look kind of beat up. Is there something we can do for you? Uh, I mean, I I feel a little off. I'm not gonna lie, but um, hopefully, I'll be able to shake it off. Well, we uh, encountered uh, one. Couple of the one of the dwarves heading north or heading south towards Booty Bay. I believe your friend uh, York was with them too. Uh, told us you were not too far behind them, but when we, when we didn't see you on the road, we knew we had to come down here and see what uh, what your holdup was, just to make sure you were all right. You know, as a fellow adventurer, that's just you know. Yes, yeah, 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 we we, we passed uh, Toldrin and and Drock, and they they, they told us that. Y'all were uh, uh, bugging out, as it as it were, um, and that you were probably going to be heading north. They, they they told us what was going on. I uh, well, we. I guess it depends on the situation. Uh, we may end up heading north uh, to rendezvous with our blood elf and our Zandalari, but I'm honestly hoping that they make their way south instead because it's not uh, my goal to return to those jungles I was here uh, to help these men uh, finish breaking their camp and then those creatures attacked unfortunately I think there's very little that we can do for these uh, but there still is one more uh, he went into the caves to um, get the rest of their 
equipment that they had left in their excavation site. I haven't seen him since the attack started. We may still be able to uh, come out of here with at least half of their crew intact. Um, you wouldn't happen to have any method of um, rest- uh, restoring um, vital- <coughs> vitality, mending wounds by chance. I'm- I'm going to hold out my hand and just be like, may I just for like, if he wants to take my hand, I guess. (laughs) Oh, he like palm up and it takes both of your hands to hold the, like his hand. He's 80 times your size. Perfect. Um, I am going to cast cure wounds because that one I have to touch and say sticks and stones may break bones, but words can definitely heal your groans. And he gets 11 health. I'm really not comfortable with how much work you dedicate to this. <laughs> I like it. It's fun. A lot of these are effective toilet time. So use your ETT Yo. wisely. <laughs> ETT. I, listen, I learned that lesson a long time. Yes. I remember the man who taught me that. Yes. I will be generous and offer uh, a gulp of my potion of unlimited healing to the Tauren as well, and okay. they can get seven more. Okay. Especially since I took nine of his health away. That's a good point. Um, so as a point of order, that's perfectly fine. The fact that the potion is attuned to you doesn't actually affect your ability to give it to other it's not attunement so it is it says at the top requires attunement but for the life of me I could not get it to attune to you it's not there then never mind I forgot that it was it is attunable Summer the helmet I made for you says requires attunement and you also you're able to attune to it right like it, it your 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 sheet lets you click the button yeah, I can't figure it out. This potion, it won't let me do it. That's right. I, I actually, I looked and I was like, oh, I, it's not attuned. I deleted that item and rebuilt it from the ground up and it still won't let me do it. I don't know what the problem is, but yeah. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I'm thinking about it. I'm realizing that if it's attuned to somebody. It's only usable on them. No, 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 no. Not necessarily. That's fine. That's fine. Because then, the like, if it wasn't attunement-based, then you could just have it in your pocket for the rest of the campaign and always use it once per day, unlimited. But if it is attuned, eventually the items that you get are going to outweigh this, and then you're going to put it away, and you're not going to be able to use it anymore because it's not attuned to anybody. So I think that that's still okay. You can use it on other people. That's fine. I think that's fine. The power and amount that it's worth right now is pretty good but like you said eventually it's gonna it kind of is but it kind of isn't because you get more healing on a second wind you get a lot more healing on a short rest and you have a healer in your group so you're not that hard up for healing that it makes up all that ground I just thought it was a cool thing to try Um, anyway you are able to give him Uh, a sip of this potion. As he finishes it, he hands you back the vial and there's still a drop or two in the bottom of it that he wasn't able to, to finish. And you know what that means. So you're like, Oh yeah, no, I'll throw this away later. And you pop it in your pocket. 
You're like, because, you know, I'm eco-conscious. It's fine. We don't leave. We we leave only tracks and take only memories. This is fine. Um, the Taran has accepted a great deal of healing from you guys now. Something to the effect of 18 points. He looks pretty good. His He still seems like he's a little woozy. Um, but as far as, like, his wounds have started to heal, the, the pierce marks where the mosquitoes had dug into his neck and shoulders have started to close. Um, and he looks like he's doing pretty good. He accepts the healing, and then he says, Drak and I, you said you encountered Drak on the road. We sure did. He and I came down from the arena where we fought their troll champion. Our demon hunter and our hunter hunter traveled north to Gromgall to tell the horde encampment there that it may be in their best interest to abandon that site. Um, I was on my way down south with Drock to Booty Bay to encourage all of the residents there to stay behind the guarded walls of their encampment. When we found this place, I do not... um, feel that I've done quite enough to stop these dwarves from meeting an untimely end in the jungle, but there are, there is still one more in the cave system, and I plan on uh, finding him and bringing him to Booty Bay as agreed. Uh, what are what are you people doing in the, the jungle? I must warn you that the situation has become very dire. It's, uh, I feel that it is my responsibility to tell you in thanks for your help to leave immediately. Well, my name is Butch and and this lovely lady, uh, we, we, we call her Ari and the person with the exploding arrows, apparently that no, he never told us about. Uh, it, it, this is Falcus, and to be honest, we're making our way up to the Gar- Garabashi Arena to you know see what's going on there. But after talking to your friends, uh, figuring out that there's well, there's something wrong with the arena, um, according to to, to Drock, but. And, and, and let, let's be clear, you, you did save at least one other dwarf, and he's walking right now with Druck. So, you know, all, all is not lost. And, and we can see that there's something wrong with Forrest. Everything's turned it all red. And all the animals, big and small, seem to want, you know, there's very aggressive. Something's wrong here. And I, I wouldn't mind putting a, putting a, putting a stop to it once and for all. That is a, uh, that is quite the noble intent. I worry that your party, as powerful as it is with your exploding arrows, uh, 
may not be up to the challenge. But I hope that if that's the direction that you go, that you are successful, because I agree with you, there is something unnatural tainting these lands. There is something the Earth Mother cries out in anguish. There is something has happened here. Um, our hunter, in particular, was concerned um, about something I something that he encountered or felt or saw in the arena that he felt the need immediately to uh, take action. Your your friend mentioned that, Drock. Um, did your hunter mention why he felt uneasy or anything more? I, I understand he's a troll and you guys were dealing with trolls, but I didn't know if he gave you guys anything or just sent you guys down to warn others. We were entering the arena on the invitation of the trolls to come and fight and win glory and weapons and power. When we arrived, there were trolls in abundance. They ushered us into the arena. Uh, the four of us were set to fight. And then their priest, uh, their shaman, their, their, their spiritual leader, whatever he was, comes out and stands at the top of the Colosseum, surrounded on all sides by these large trolls, and he brandishes this, this staff or spear or something, had this large red crystalline um, uh, object at the end of it. Um, seemed a bit of an unwieldy weapon to my eyes, but then again, mine are the eyes of a warrior. I see weapons and I, I know good weapons from bad. So my thinking is that it's more of a, a, a focus, an arcane conduit of some kind. Um, and our hunter... It was strange. In that moment, he said, we need to leave. And that's when, you know, their champion came out and we fought their champion and we took their prize as was promised to us. And then they allowed us to leave. They didn't accost us. They didn't stop us from, um, they didn't, they, 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 they stuck to the deal. You know, we were an enemy the Gurubashi are enemies to the horde. They are not friendly people, but we walked in, we, did the thing, we killed their man and then they thanked us and sent us about our way. I'm still thinking about that red crystal you, you're talking about that that look, looked a bit ar, ar, arcana. Oh, I reckon we need to go check that out. Um. Oh, I advise against it very strongly. Do, do you... And the rest of your party have plans. I know you and, and Drock are, are heading to Booty, but what about the other two? Are they going to swing down and meet up with you guys? Will, is the plan for you all to convene at Booty Bay? Well, in truth, I'm not so sure. That was the plan originally. That was the plan discussed. But uh, as I made my way south, it occurred to me that 
it was our hunter's idea to go to the arena and it was our hunter who responded so strongly to the troll on the dais and it was our hunter who came up with the plan of you go south I'll go the the demon hunter and I will go north we'll spread the word uh he is from a place that deals a great deal in blood magics and blood curses and you not I, so I on our camera I can see Amanda nodding so I'm responding to that and I'm saying I see you nod I, I see that perhaps you are familiar with the events of Nazmir during the the fourth war all of the blood curses and the blood uh, god and the 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 whole shtick in Nazmir was that like they were doing blood sacrifice and blood curses and all that um, to Cahoon, which is where the first raid came into play. I was not even thinking that. I was thinking we just killed some guy looking for blood shards, and I think this is all connected. But that works, too. We'll go with that's why I was nodding. <laughs> that sounds better. Well, that's what he says out loud. Okay. Whether or not that was what you were thinking is irrelevant. But he okay. sees you nodding and says, oh, okay, and then connects a bunch of dots that were not actually on the puzzle. Perfect. Your hunter companion. Um, he did say that he acted a little strange when he saw the staff. Concerned. Frightened, in fact. Has his behavior since then strayed from what you've known them to have in your travels? No, but also we fought and then split up. I'm just wondering if maybe he split you guys up on purpose. I admit to being a bit of a suspicious mind when it comes to uh, the the people that I ally myself with. Um, the Tarin have been betrayed by the Horde in the past. Um, they have been... Um, we we advocated for the inclusion of the Forsaken into the Horde uh, after the orcs and the trolls of the Darkspear tribe were kind enough to help us with our um, overwhelming centaur problems uh, years and years ago. And the Forsaken then... I mean, you know the history of the Forsaken after that point. I personally feel that that was a bit of an overreach of our trust. And since then, I have been cautious about the new factions that we have included. Um, I am quite confident that Drak has the best interests of our party at heart. Um, I am not as familiar with our Zandalari compatriot, but so far until today, everything seemed uh, above board. I'm nervous about his lack of forthcoming information. It was more of an insistence of, these are the steps we must take. Now let's go do it. And then he left. Is... Is it your intention to save this dwarf in the cave? 
Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm okay. standing here running my mouth. We, I must, I must move. I, whatever One, you people do is wonderful, but I need to leave. One second. I believe in power and numbers and I feel this might be an adventure worth us helping. And I intentionally emphasize the word worth as I look at Falcus and Butch. Before we go, I must ask though, what is your intentions at Booty Bay? Do you plan to stay for a bit? Actually, no, I would rather not. Um, okay. I, we've done some work in town, um, which helped to line our pockets. We will have plenty enough to make a trip back to Kalimdor where things are a little less um, intense. And from there, I feel that um, if things need to escalate to the level that I worry that they may need to escalate to, I would really rather the Ogremar uh, organized military uh, might be put in place to handle that. I, I would really rather not be an adventurer on the front lines standing toe-to-toe -to -toe against evil. Um, I have the heart to do such a thing, but I feel that standing by myself in the field of battle against such an enemy might be uh, a mistake, tactically speaking. My friend, sometimes as adventurers, we are called upon as heroes despite our best efforts to avoid that path. However, for now I feel our adventure is with you to help this dwarf and we will cross a path very soon together. He takes all like seven feet of his giant hand and puts them like on <laughs> somehow across both shoulders and the back of your head and down halfway of your back. <laughs> like he's he's doing he's like his his hand motion is the shoulder. Yeah. His hand motion is a gentle, like, I'm putting my hand on your shoulder, but he's so big in comparison to you that he's covering half your body with his hand. And he looks at you and he says, you have the soul of a real warrior. You're going to go far. I think that if we, the quicker we find this dwarf with you, the quicker you can head south on the road. Yes. Because, well, you are a very distracting party. I keep forgetting my mission. I need to, let's, yes, I agree. Let's, we should motor. The faster we get you on the road south, because you're, because Drac and, um, Tor, 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 whatever, the, the dwarf, uh, may encounter more of those bugs. Uh, in fact, I kind of, I will, I'm not, I'm not so vain as to say that I would have preferred if Drac were here fighting those creatures and I were on the road because I am a very capable warrior when, it, and at this point you like, he's starting to walk and talk. Um, he says, I'm a very capable warrior, but I find it easier to fight one large foe than a dozen small. Um, Drac doesn't suffer from that concern. Um, as you guys are walking through the camp, you see that first of all, the two bodies of the dwarves don't really have, like they don't have stuff on them. Like there's, they're they're dressed plainly. There's some tools nearby, but that's really kind of it. As you make your way further north, you see a couple of tents. One of them is up and like still like open, and one of them is collapsed as if in the process of getting rolled up. Um, 
there are some things here like in like you glance around and you see that there's like boxes of stuff um are you taking any time to look at anything or are you like making your way what's 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 the attitude here there's a dwarf that might be in danger in the in the cave and uh the, these seem to be good people but let let's uh let's head in, into that cave and besides that it's not our stuff <laughs> so yeah okay then maybe we yeah, could ask, I'm not gonna, I'm not you know once we get the dwarf yeah okay I like that. Ask the dwarf if there's anything here that we can use on our travels if they're not going to need because they're just going to regroup and come back when they can. Okay. Um, at the most northern section of the encampment, you see a poorly photoshopped cave entrance, <laughs> um, which you then enter and begin to descend through. The first few feet look like they're pretty naturally formed, but then you start to see what's left of a ruin of some kind. Um, you see that the the natural craggy walk, rock walls start to shift into being like flat uh, measured stone surfaces with carvings of various troll symbols. Things that, like, as you are an adventuring party in Azeroth, you would be like, oh, yep, that's troll stuff. Um, there are brightly colored paintings of... And when I say paintings, I mean, like, directly onto the rock wall. Like, there's no canvas or anything. They painted the walls themselves uh, of being, you know, figures of Loa and figures of trolls at worship and, you know, other evidence that this was at one time a troll, a, a Gurubashi troll structure. Large parts of what used to be a sturdy stone floor or a rock wall or a ceiling have been crushed by the movement of stone and rock when, which, you know, took place when the structure was overtaken by the surrounding earth at some point. Um, it's not long before you enter into a large underground cavern that was, again, clearly part of the same troll structure uh, at some point. Uh, but was then buried. You see that there are sharp breaks in the stone walls. Um, they're so sharp that they almost look fresh, uh, where the earth had encroached on where the walls or the columns were built. There are crumbled rocks everywhere. In the middle of the chamber, at the top of the ceiling, which is probably, I don't know, 30 feet high, or so, like it's a large space, about 30 feet from floor to ceiling, you see that there is one large stalactite that's hanging down from the ceiling and directly below it, almost as if the stalactite is pointing at it, is one brown leather boot. To your left, as you enter into this area, in the distance, you can see a pathway again that goes downward and you can see the flickering light of a flame of some kind, like reflecting off of the walls. Very distinct, flickering kind of a pattern that you're like, oh, okay, that fire that way somewhere. What would you guys like to do? Is it dark in here at all? Uh, yeah, it's other than the flickering light in the distance, it's pretty dim. 
Okay, I'm gonna get out my drift glowed and say, hey, little buddy. And, and say, let there be light. Okay. Uh, light doesn't fill the room because the regular light, light. version of the, of the drift globe is equivalent to a torch, but you do see that it is good. <laughs> and, Every time you um, say that, I'm going to listen. I don't know much about Genesis, but I know that line. So I'm going <laughs> to hit you with it. This drift globe of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's not a Genesis song. <laughs> so, uh, and and I'm going to, you know, just kind of set it off to the, to the side because remember it'll uh it'll float and follow me around. Mm-hmm. And uh I have dark vision. Well, now we can all see. So, I guess I don't think the Torrin would have dark vision, but um and I sure don't. You you just you described this we can't really call it a cave, uh, a tunnel, I suppose. Hallway. Right. Even, and, it, and it looks like it ahead. used to be the inside of a building of some kind. There's right. walls, there's like clearly a ceiling, there's artwork. But it looks like these are ruins that are here that have been since covered. Some sort of stone-carved uh, troll structure that has been sort of engulfed by the earth. The There are paintings on the walls that are... Now that the drift globe is hitting them with light, there's a lot of bright colors to it. Um, there's a lot of fine detail to it. It all looks very, very nice. Okay. It, so we just... Oh. I mean, we, we see all this, and, and we see something that looks like it might be some kind of fire. Anyway, that kind of color, some kind of light. Yeah. Um, let's walk towards the light. Yeah, I want to I wanna pick up the boot, because I'm assuming the dwarf lost it in his trip deeper into this cave. Okay. Is there a foot in the boot? <laughs> no, there's not a foot in the boot. As Butch approaches, like he he walks into the room and kind of makes a left hand turn and starts headed toward the the passageway where the flickering light is happening. Falcus walks through the middle of the room toward the boot, where directly above there's this stalactite that's hanging through the 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 rock wall of the surface. Right. Ari, what are you doing? Where's our torrent friend and all this? So I have Butch kind of going off to the right towards the light. I have Falcus going towards the boot. Where's our tour in front and all this? Because I feel like I'm going to be still kind of towards him a little bit. Uh, from the way that Butch and Falk has described what they were doing, I'm going to say that they moved forward into the room away from you guys, and the okay. two of you are still entering into the room. So that's where I am. I'm just kind of still entering and assessing things because there's still going to be a light adjustment even with the blow, mm-hmm. blue ball, blue glowy ball. Um there's going to be a light adjustment. And so I'm still kind of next to our Torrin friend, not in a suspicious way. Like I don't trust him. I believe him. I think he's telling the truth. He's pure of heart. Um, but I'm not as forward as they are, as they kind of see everything. Okay. As Falcus walks toward the boot, you hear the Torrin say, these ruins seem a little new for there to be stalactites 
And as soon as he finishes that sentence and Falkus is reaching toward the boot, a long vine-shaped, snake-shaped object comes whipping down from the ceiling. And from the around the corner where the fire is, you hear the voice of a dwarf who yells, No! Watch out! And you are under attack from some kind of stone creature on the surface of this. Like, you look up just in time to see this like uh, like an Indiana Jones whip, you know, like where it's like trying to grab at you from the stalactite itself, which is sus- like directly overhead. There's this long coiled appendage that has come out and is trying to grab against you. I am going to need for you guys to roll initiative. He's upside down like that to depict that. I'm showing everybody the map now. Um, Keep in mind that the the crystalline like structure of this place is because I stole this map from the internet as I am wont to do. Um, The actual layout is the path that you came from is to the left. The path that Butch is going is to the north and there are no other passageways out of this chamber. Um, Let's roll initiative for the stalactite monster and for the warrior it, it's it's a stalactite it's it's hang it's a rock hanging from the ceiling and it's and, and it's got tentacles i mean to each their own rock monster yeah don't 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 shame <laughs> we've all got our thing Rag Roughhorn, the Taran warrior and party mate of the orc Drak, was under attack from a dozen massive mosquito creatures until our heroes showed up to assist. Now, Butch, Fulcus, and Ari explore a nearby ruin to recover a missing dwarven explorer. Will the dwarf be able to answer the questions the party still has and Will Falkus learn more about who won his bow? We'll have to wait to find out until the next time we queue up for more heroic dungeons and dragons. Please follow us at twitter.com slash heroicdnd, where you'll find our players' social media info and a link to our Discord server.